I'd like to thank everyone that has participated in the creation of these weekly worship podcasts during the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic. And listeners, thank you uh, for making these worship services part of your weekly spiritual practice. We are currently moving forward with a Sunday morning live stream service at the United Church of Heinsburg, and we'll be taking a break from producing these worship podcast episodes for a short while. If you would like uh, more information about the upcoming live stream or wish to connect with us for any reason, uh, please go to our website at www.ucofh.org. We are able to bring you these weekly podcasts through the financial support of our members and friends. If you are helping to sustain the ongoing work of our church with your regular donations, thank you. If you would like to make a one-time or recurring donation, visit the donate page on our website, ucofh.org, or text 833-610-0867. Thank you for helping to share worship and messages of hope with the wider community during these unprecedented times. Welcome to the United Church of Heinsberg podcast on the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, Proper 10, 2020. We are a community-centered church in rural Vermont, celebrating together virtually during the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic. As an open and affirming church with ties to the American Baptists, United Methodist, and United Church of Christ denominations, we're glad you're here. I'm Reverend Jared Hamilton, the pastor of UCH. Sammy Angsman has provided music for this episode, including Edward McDowell's To a Wild Rose. The gospel lesson comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. There will be a homily and service of morning prayers. Let's get started. The Gospel lesson today comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and verses 18 through 23, the parable of the sower and Matthew's interpretation. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil, and brought forth grain some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let anyone who has ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. 
Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the world, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what is sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Driving around Vermont this time of year, you will likely notice stemmy-looking plants with bright blue flowers lining the roads. This is chicory, a perennial and member of the dandelion family. Chicory has been foraged for and cultivated by humans for nearly 5,000 years. It's not native to North America, but was brought over from Europe in the late 1600s to provide fodder for livestock. But this plant has many uses. Throughout the centuries, it has been used to relieve various maladies and is still used in holistic medicine. Chicory flowers can be picked and put in salads, and the roots can be pulled and ground and added to coffee or used as a coffee substitute. I've noticed for the first time this year, however, that I've never seen chicory grow anywhere else but along the roadside. I haven't seen it growing in the woods or popping up in hayfields. It can't be found in wetlands, and it doesn't come up like a weed in lawns. There's a reason for this. Like many wildflowers, chicory grows best in waste places, a semi-technical term used to describe bare mineral soil 
that receives a lot of light. Waste areas are created naturally by wildfires or flood or by humans through uh, bulldozing and earth moving. Arthur Haynes, a research botanist at the New England Wildflower Society, writes that chicory represents the early stage of development or succession on a site. There are species that arrive early uh, to disturbed areas and need bright open sun. Six inches of leaf litter and they just won't germinate. Soil matters. You know, any gardener or farmer can tell the difference between soils on their land and what amendments might be added to help plants or crops grow and thrive. Sweet corn needs a different type of soil than blueberries. Heavy clay soil needs a different technique for management than sandy soils. Even those of us without the green thumb will point out that that place in our yard that never seems to grow grass or is always filled with weeds, acknowledging that there's something underneath uh, in the soil that is different. Of course, the great poet Wendell Berry has something wonderful to say about soil. The soil is the great connector of lives, the source and destination of all. It is the healer and restorer and resurrector by which disease passes into health, age, into youth, death, into life. Without proper care for it, we can have no community, because without proper care for it, we have no life. Today, we run into one of the more well-known parables of Jesus, commonly referred to as the parable of the sower. It belongs to a series of agrarian parables in this section of Matthew that deal with trees and fruit, weeding, plant growth, and bread making. In, these, in this specific parable, we can picture uh, the scene from Van Gogh's uh, The Sower at Sunset, a farmer walking in a field, arm extended, broadcast sowing seed from a sack that hangs over his body. Because of the seeding method in Jesus' story, seed is haphazardly thrown about into the good soil of the field and also on the path along the rocks and in the thorny weeds. The parable is then explained by Matthew's Jesus to show how folks will receive his message. Some simply won't get it. Others will get it, but will face difficulties in life that lead them away. Still others will get Jesus' message, but be lured back to the world by bright and shiny things, the things that the world has to offer. Finally, those that receive the message take it to heart and endure, mature into healthy plants and produce much more than would be customary at harvest time. Matthew's original audience would have received this explanation well. They were looking to understand why some in their communities received Jesus' message and others didn't. Because there was growing animosity between these two groups, the group of Jesus' followers and the folks that did not follow Jesus, Matthew highlights their differences, denouncing those that did not follow Jesus as evil or worldly, 
while commending early Jesus followers for being good soil, receptive and faithful. You know, to get there, though, Matthew assumes that Jesus is telling this parable with a straight face in a matter-of-fact way. But if this is true, then Jesus knew nothing about the standard farming practices of his day. Broadcast seeding was a common practice in first-century Palestine, used explicitly to seed fields of barley and wheat. But Seeding fields was done with great care. Seed was one of the most valuable commodities that both small and large landowners had. Often even wealthy landowners with field managers and servants would sow their own fields to ensure that none of the seed went to waste. The image we get from our parable is that the seed is flung haphazardly around the place with no regard for its landing spot. This was not the planting done in Jesus' world. In fact, the crowd that gathered to hear Jesus talk about um, this story would have laughed because it sounded so absurd. Today, we are aware of the dangers of monocultures, or planting large tracts of land a single type of crop, regardless of soil type or condition. In the U.S., this is usually done with corn or soybeans, but can be done with other crops. Soil life, soil fertility, increased insect and weed resistance to chemicals, toxic runoff, and the creation of food deserts for beneficial pollinators like birds and bees and butterflies are some of the results of monoculture farming. Farmers in Jesus' day also understood these dangers, even if practices and farm sizes have changed dramatically in the last two millennia. Farmers regularly rotated crops, let the land sit when the soil had been overused, and planted different crops based on soil types and conditions. Almond or fig trees would have been planted in rocky areas. Goats would have been turned out to pasture in weedy and thorny fields. This is perhaps another way that Jesus is highlighting the absurdity of this story. So we can reimagine the story of Jesus as he tells it to the crowd. Jesus describes a half-wit farmer who does does not know the ground he is working on and is wasteful of a valuable provision. The crowd would have understood the story as absurd and laughed out loud, maybe even along with Jesus. And maybe some would have caught the irony. After all, farmers are really caretakers of the soil. Setting clear paths, removing stones, and cultivating the ground is all part of the vocation. Good farmers learn what to plant, and when, and where, to live in balance with Earth's natural provisions. Only some soil is considered good because the rest of the ground has been neglected or misused in our parable today. Here we have a careful, subversive critique of the political and religious leaders in Jesus' world. 
people, like the folks gathered around Jesus, have been neglected and misused like the soil in our story. The leaders are bad farmers who've failed to care for the one thing under their control, the soil. They failed to cultivate it, use it appropriately, and keep it healthy. That is everything but a small plot of good soil, the, the family members and close allies that benefited under their governance. They care nothing for the different needs and talents of the people in their charge, but demand that the soil produce regardless. Perhaps this retelling asks us to consider the way we think about differences, like the differences between culture and people and religions and the expectations that we create around those differences. People are like soil, aggregates of time and experience, local geology and happenstance. Unfortunately, we've decided that some soil types are better than others, and that some soil is considered good. But this is only true if we've already decided what we want to plant and harvest. You know, the good soil is only good if we're planting wheat, or the good soil is only good if we're planting fig trees. Using a capabilities approach, one of my favorite thinkers, the philosopher Martha Nussbaum, might ask us to consider the soil first, and what it might produce in its own right. The questions, what is demanded of me, and what am I capable of, are two very different questions. Perhaps, during the dog days of this ongoing pandemic, we might consider moving away from the anxiety-producing question of what is demanded of me, and begin asking ourselves, what are we capable of during these trying times? Roadsides cannot grow wheat, but even these wasted spaces can produce beautiful and beneficial plants like chicory. We might also consider how the kingdom of heaven for Matthew or God's alternative way challenges the one-size-fits-all monoculture approach to life and faith. Without difference and diversity, systems collapse. At the beginning of his first letter to the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul reminds these early Christians that they are part of one body but made up of many necessary and different parts. There's diversity in history, vocation, age, gender, education, relationship status, and wealth, and God's appro God approaches each individual in their unique settings, bestowing gifts and talents. Difference is not only tolerated in Christian communities, it's protected. And from the earliest stages, we have an example of the church being called to step up, accept her gifts of diversity, and understand her members' many capabilities. Today, this is one way the church might set a valuable example for our wider society. This familiar parable still has more to say. Like many of Jesus' stories, we encounter an, invita an invitation to be thoughtful um, and to reflect in a heartfelt way. 
His stories are more expansive than limiting, more like they're provoking our imagination instead of reciting some dogma. So my prayer for you today is that God meets you in this story. And I pray that God meet you in all of your stories as you go about life in this wild and chaotic world. Amen. Feel free to join me in saying the prayer of our Savior, followed by a prayer for all of God's creation. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Loving God, we pray for the earth. Commit us to simple and sustainable living. Call us to treat all your hands have touched with reverence and dignity. We pray for all nations. Remind us of our common humanity. Forgive us our saber-rattling, and cast out tyrants that harm your people and poison your land. We pray for the cities of the earth. Renew the ties of mutual regard, which form our civic life. And guide us in all work for equality, dignity, and justice through policy accountability and the market. Help us to address our racist history and enable all of us to find in each other the fulfillment of our humanity. Loving God, we pray for the church. Provide us wisdom, courage, and accountability. Help us to grow closer to you and work together for the common good of all, even now in this time of pandemic. We pray now for all those people and places on our hearts and minds. By the blessing of your Spirit, help us to live as we pray, so that the world may come to know the gift of life in Christ our Lord. Amen.
Life is short, and we do not have long to gladden the hearts of those around us. So be quick to love, and do good to your neighbor, and allow God to journey with you all of your days. Go now in peace.